Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant of truth proclaimers and defenders and those who are striving to be salt and light in America and around the world, understanding the importance of the gospel, which is the power of God to salvation, and understanding the importance of Bible prophecy, which is going to be our topic today as we interview Terry James again. We're so thankful to have him back with us. And I've got his brand new book in my hand. It's called The Disappearing, uh, Future Events That Will Rock the World. Guys, you've got to check this out. There's so much in here that explains a lot of what's happening globally. Um, So I'd really encourage you to check it out. I know after hearing the interview today and what Terry has to share, you're going to want to get this book. It's available online, Amazon, through Terry's website, and also through Olive Tree Views, Jan Markell's website, and wherever great Christian books are sold. So let's bring Terry in. He's the author and general editor of and prophecy expert, by the way. Um, he's a co-author of numerous books and articles. He's a frequent lecturer on the study of end times and interviews often with national and international media on topics involving world events relating to Bible prophecy. So I think we're going to have our eyes open to uh, several things today. So get ready to take notes. He's the author of the book Lawless, End Times War Against the Spirit of Antichrist, which we had him on to talk about before, and the novel Michael, Last Day's Lightning. But today we dive into his brand new book on prophecy and end times with co-author Pete Garcia, and it's called the disappearing future events that will rock the world. Terry James, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you, David. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Thank you for your time, sir. Um, I was so blessed just skimming through your book. Of course, it, it's so in-depth. I didn't want to rush through it and, and miss so much. But I'm, I've got a lot of questions today that I think the answers will bless our listeners. But first, let's start off with, with Easter. Um, Resurrection Sunday will be upon us before we know it. A lot of churches are having their uh, Easter bunny celebrations and egg hunts and uh, photo booths set up at church and different things like that, maybe to draw in people from the community. Um, This is something that we in America have kind of gotten used to, but um, we are trying to encourage people to dig into the Word of God and all that happened, the, the Gospels and the Psalms and all the predictions of, of the Messiah's suffering, why Easter? Let's just call it what it is, Resurrection Sunday. But Terry, before we dive into your book, I wanted to get your just thoughts on this survey of at Family Research Council. They conducted a survey of believers, of course, Christians. And here's the amazing thing. With all that we know from the Word of God, only 21% of those who responded on this survey reported feeling hopeful, or expectant in their outlook uh, toward the future. This sounds pretty grim, and I just wanted to get your take on these survey results. Well, of course, any time that we have a uh, lack of knowledge of the Bible and so forth as believers, we have to go back and say that it's our own fault. It's the fault of the people. But 
the pastors uh, are greatly neglecting their responsibility in the pews day, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, unless unless uh, people are taught, you know, unless they unless they hear the word, they're not going to uh, they're not going to respond very well. And, and uh, again, um, it's our responsibility as believers to search out the scriptures, but um, uh, the in teaching is so important. And that great neglect is leading to a lot of um, anxiety, as I hear it. Uh, I, I get uh, constantly, I get uh, emails and so forth, and conversations and so forth that say, ask, you know, well, uh, where is this going? Is it really, is a, is a rapture really uh, going to happen? Is it, is it a preeminent thing? And uh, so it is a responsibility of both the believer and the pastors and, and the pulpits to uh, to talk about these things. Well, what we know from history in recent years, in recent decades in the United States of entertainment, I mean America, is many pulpits certainly are not helping, Terry. Um, Many of them fail to address Bible prophecy. We've talked about this so much. I know you get emails and letters, and uh, one of the most common questions we get is where can we find a Bible-believing church with a pastor who is unashamed of the gospel and is not afraid to address current end-times events and teach Bible prophecy. Isn't that one of the most common questions you get? <laughs> I was talking about that very thing, or I was emailing about that very thing this morning, <laughs> earlier this morning. Um, a pastor, a friend of mine, um, that relatively new acquaintance of mine, um, Mark Hall, and um in Tennessee, uh, wrote me, and he gave me a great sermon in his email talking about these things and um, and uh, how people just, uh, you know, they don't have any understanding. And, and uh, so, yeah, uh, that and that was one of his key questions. And I wrote him back, I said, yeah, that's one of the questions I get most frequently is, uh, is, uh, is about this very thing. Well, Terry, your book is called The Disappearing, and I want to ask you, about uh, the dedication, and then what I read in the prologue. Um, friends, I know you it, you may have the book already, but hopefully you'll get it if you don't. But it's dedicated to your friend and brother in Christ, Jack Kinsella. Uh, talk yes. to us about Jack and his influence on your life. Well, my, my partner in the in the, the book, the, the co-writer of the book, Pete Garcia, is a great, great writer, and He's a retired Army guy, he's a young man from my perspective, as I told you before we started the program, and uh, just a great writer. But Jack and uh, his daughters who helped Jack, <clears throat> Jack died at 60 years old back a few years ago. He was a great friend of mine, and he ta- he had, he had uh, as Pete will tell you, he, he Jack gave him a break. He, Jack saw a lot in him and took Pete in and let him start writing, and it just... Uh, like I say, a fantastic writer. God has used Pete in a mighty way, and Jack saw in him and and uh, something very special. And God put it in my heart to see the same thing, uh, mm-hmm. something very special. So Jack and I uh, had, I think, uh, both uh, discernment from the standpoint of God, what God was telling us to do. So we saw Pete as uh, he's kind of a, a catalyst that um, that God used to. Uh, mm-hmm to uh, bring Pete into this book and other things. I think there's going to be some great things come from from Pete as a result of the relationship with Jack and Sella, who was, as you know, just a, he wrote the Omega letter and so forth, and Pete wrote for him. He just a fantastic, he was a fantastic guy. And, you know, we questioned why, why the Lord take him home so young. Well, he had um, 
he had some issues uh, with uh, his liver, I think. And so mm-hmm. we don't know uh, why Jack took him home. He helped tell Lindsay out and so forth. Uh, but but we know that God's uh, timing is always perfect, and from that uh, from that relationship has come, uh, I think, a young man who's really going to do some good things in these very end of the end of days. So I'm reading in uh, about the authors here. Uh, Pete is a retired military veteran, and he started writing about these things. Um, I think at the age of 33, so he got off to a great start. But I want to go to the foreword to the book, which is written by Jan Markell. And she paid you a pretty high compliment, and I'm not, uh, I, I just really want to say this is so important, what, what she shared. She said she would eventually discover the wonderful writings of Terry James, and Jan Markell says, I'm not sure there is anyone I quote more than Terry, just because his writing and thinking are consistent, and I don't have to worry that he might go off the reservation. Theo- theologically speaking, over the years, many have. Um, that's a pretty high compliment coming from a Jan Markell. Just your thoughts on that, Terry. Yeah, Jan, Jan's a great friend, and, uh, and you know, we do have, she and I both have confidence in each other that we are, we remain true to what God's Word says. We don't get outside of the boundaries. Um, you know, I'm, sometimes my fiction, as you know, will stretch boundaries, but that's <laughs> what fiction is supposed to do, and I never go beyond what the Bible says. And uh, she she doesn't she she doesn't promote my fiction because she Jan is a straight shooter she likes that <laughs> nonfiction uh, but uh, but uh, she she was very gracious and kind and uh, I appreciate her very much. God bless her. She's been uh, a wonderful uh, partner and friend to this ministry as well. So Terry, the book The Disappearing. Um, let's talk about a very important question. People wonder about children and the age of accountability. And uh, you write a little bit about that. Could you just share or give a couple bullet points or an overview? Because people, sometimes even Christians in the church, having read the Bible, are confused about children uh, raptured, what age. And uh, so share your thoughts on that, please. Well, this is, my one, of, this is one of my very pet, uh, uh, pet topics. I believe that every child at the time moment of rapture is going to be taken to be with the Lord and I believe that even includes the ones I mean who have who have just um, uh, been been not born but just been uh, um, you know the, when, whenever the process the birth process has taken place the the process between the mother and the father has taken place to bring that child in the world at the very beginning I think from that moment God's going to make a statement mm. of what's so important to Him and when life begins. And the reason I made the the basic reason that I have for believing this is that the rapture of the church is a salvation issue. Everybody in the church is in Christ uh, during the church age. Everybody, and uh, the child until he is able to make a decision or she is able to make a decision, uh, they are in Christ. They are in the they are in the book of life until uh, until that moment they have to make that decision. And then their name, if they if they chose not to believe at that point, when they know to believe and don't, then I believe that their name is stricken from the book of life and written back in when they are, when they believe. Yeah, but up until that point, they don't. I, it's, and I always say that um, that uh, sal- the rapture is a salvation issue, and that uh, the salvation issue is a an individual. Not a corporate matter. You know, God has no grandchildren. 
Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a corporate. It's not a corporate matter. It's an individual matter. Well, each and every person born is an individual, of course. And uh, as long as they are in Christ, they're going to go with him when the rapture calls. Now, will there be children born after the rapture? Of course. And they will go into the tribulation era. But you And people will say to me, uh, well, yeah, well, what about children born after the rapture? You know, that's what, what's going to happen to them. Well, I say, well, first of all, that uh, they probably, most of them are going to die in the tribulation era. Most most children probably will die, sadly, mm. um, because it's going to be such a horrendous period. But the ones who live are probably going to live um, going to the millennium. Uh, because uh, they will not have not yet reached that, reached that age of accountability, we call it. And um, if they if they die, they're going to be like David's son when when he died. Uh, they're going to go directly to be with the Lord. And mm-hmm. and uh, and so uh, either way, God's God's um, always just and righteous in His dealings, and I believe that's the way it is. And so we've done a chapter on this that uh, I believe is pretty profound. And and uh, the, the scripture they they most use, or some of the seminaries really make a big mistake in this thing. Some of the scriptures, one of the scriptures they use, oh, well, the main scripture they use to say this won't happen, will be is First Corinthians seven fourteen, where it says that you know unless one pot, basically they say unless one one parent is saved, the, the child, if the, the rapture of the child will stay on earth with both unsaved parents unless one is saved. And that makes no sense in any way you look at it. That is not God's justice. That is not God's uh, character. And uh, and I once asked a great Dr. John Walvoord, who was a seminary professor and a great friend of mine, and uh, just a tremendous uh, preacher of the rapture and so forth. And even he was uh, in that mode for some reason. And I asked him at a conference, once when the Q&A session came up, I said, Dr. Walford, is there any scripture you can think of or body of scripture besides 1 Corinthians 7.14 uh, that you could apply, that anyone could apply to the, saying that only a child with with at least one parent uh, will go in the rapture, at, 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 the, um, at the rapture? And he, he thought for a minute, for a few seconds, and he shook his head, no, I can't. Wow. So there is no there is no body of scripture as plain as that. That's right. That's right. And I, I thank you for addressing this topic, Terry James, because uh, we don't hear a lot about it. And that is from chapter six. I know we jumped ahead in your book, The Disappearing, to chapter six, Children in the Rapture. But I want to ask one more question because you talk about position in Jesus Christ, and you mention things that we often forget. That's why I'm going to bring them up right now from your book. Two examples: Jacob and his twin brother Esau struggling within the womb of their mother. And the one that we often think of around Christmas time is the account of John, who would become the baptizer, who in the womb recognized the Messiah Jesus when the two women were, uh, were coming together, when I think Mary went to visit Elizabeth, and the baby leaped for joy. So children in the womb are living beings with God-given souls. That's a biblical truth. And as you say, you start off that paragraph by saying God's Word says without reservation that life begins at conception. Why do even some people in the church not get that, Terry? I I don't know, especially the seminarians. I don't know. (laughs) Especially the seminarians, yeah. Are they trying to keep up with culture because of the uh, maybe the women's movement or wanting to give them a choice, which is awful to call 
the murder of a baby in the womb a choice. Yeah, a choice, yeah. Yeah. That's God's choice. That's not our choice to Amen. take a life. Amen. God's choice. Thank you, sir. Um, now let's get back to the beginning here. Um, the genesis of the rapture. What is that? You, you open up your book with the genesis of the rapture in Scripture. Well, it goes back to uh, the Apostle Paul when he's talking to the Thessalonians. They were afraid that uh, they were afraid that that the people, their people, some of them had died, and Paul had promised that they were going to be gathered together. Uh, the ecclesia was going to be ecclesia was going to be gathered together with Christ, and some of the people had already died. Uh, some, uh, and he so he he was very uh, you know upset because some people had came, come in some teachers had come in and said well no that's a false teaching that there'll be no rapture and he was saying uh, you know he he was very quick to tell them that no and he explained to them in second thessalonians uh, that uh, that you know the rapture would occur it had not occurred yet and uh, the Antichrist would uh, not be revealed. Uh, the time of tribulation that he said was coming would not be revealed until uh, until uh, the body had gone to be with Christ. So that's in Second Thessalonians chapter two, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's really the beginning of it. Now, the beginning—if you want to go back to the very beginning of the Genesis of the Rapture, Jesus. Now, this is something else. The seminary you, until recently, the seminaries wouldn't talk about, but I know Dallas Theological has now. And some of the uh, pastors there, some of the seminarians there, have uh, come up with this. So they they've agreed, finally agreed. I mean, I've been on stage with many of them when they wouldn't agree, and now they're <laughs> suddenly agreeing that Jesus talked about it back in John chapter four, verses one, uh, fourteen, verses one through three. He said, "Let not your hearts be troubled." He said he's talking to his disciples there, but he was talking down through the ages to all of the disciples that would follow. Let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Behold, I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This was uh, this was a mystery. They didn't understand it. They, they, they nodded their heads, I guess, but they didn't really understand it. He was saying he was going away, and he was going to come back, and he was going to receive them unto himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they didn't really understand this. Uh, we know that from later on because uh, they were so surprised when he had re- he was resurrected, and then when he ascended, and the angel said, "Why stand you gawking? You know that <laughs> him who was rising, the same Jesus you see going is coming back, same place." So that's where it all began. That was the genesis of the rapture right okay. there. And Paul in first. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 55, basically, Paul is revealing that mystery Jesus was talking about. He was unveiling that mystery. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And he gave it in talking to the Corinthians and talking again to um, the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And so um, that's where it started, back with Jesus. Mm. He did talk about the rapture. And uh, I think he did also in the, in the Olivet Discourse, and uh, chapter 24 and Luke 17. And uh, so um, that's how it began, and Paul revealed that mystery. Thank you for quoting John 14. I love that verse. Not, not in our kind of English Jesus spoke when he said that where I am, 
there you may also be. Where is Jesus going to be? Of course, he's going to be in heaven. There you may also be. Terry James is our guest today. The book, friends, phenomenal read. The Disappearing, Future Events That Will Rock the World. More on Bible prophecy when we come back. And we'll talk about some of the main antagonists of the tribulation next on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is author and editor Terry James and the book, brand new, it's called The Disappearing Future Events That Will Rock the World. It's been out for a few months, but it's doing very well. A lot of great reviews over on Amazon, and you can get it on Terry's website through Jan Markell's ministry and many, many others. Um, I just want to read a portion of the description, and then I want to jump into a couple prophetic scriptures and ask Terry about it. Um, Each hour brings troubling headlines. Every report seems more intrusive upon our daily lives than the previous, and all accounts appear to be setting the end-time stage for the soon fulfillment of God's prophetic word. The world is turned upside down. All rational thought has turned to wickedness toward the dark side. Our times seem to be like the days of Noah, just like Jesus Christ described. The greatest event since Christ's resurrection is soon coming, the rapture. And then it talks about the disappearing, Talk the, the book, talking about it's really the conclusion of the greatest story ever told, the rapture. And what we're witnessing today, we're getting closer and closer. And then he, he reminds us in Luke 21, 28, when you see all these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your head for your redemption is drawing near. A very hopeful scripture. And Terry, I was thinking as you were talking in the previous segment, I was thinking about um, Zechariah 14, verse 4, where it says, On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and the mount will be split. But it's interesting that Jesus departed, as you referenced in Acts chapter 1, from the Mount of Olives. He was ascended in front of his disciples, and the angel said, What are you doing staring up into the sky? He will come back in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Your thoughts on these hopeful prophecies? Yeah, that's uh, it's great comfort that we won't be here during those seven years. It's going to be, uh, he's going to have to return to completely up, turn the world upside down and uh, to cleanse everything, even make a, make a new pristine earth out of this other old one, who's going to, which is going to be shattered during this seven-year period. Now, Jesus, as Zechariah says, will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. Just as he left, uh, as the disciples saw him leave, and the angels um, spoke to him about that, and uh, they said he would come back to the same spot. And so he will dismount that great white steed, and he will uh, come down to the earth now. But but the rapture, as we talked about in First John, I mean in John chapter fourteen, verses one through three, he's going uh, to come back to receive us. In other words, the disciples, all his disciples, including us, down through the years, to himself into the clouds above the air. We see that in First Thessalonians chapter four. He's coming to earth to receive us into the clouds, and that's the rapture. But seven years later, at Armageddon, he's going to return, and we will return with him, the Bible says. You know, in Revelation chapter 9, 19, verse 11, it says, you know, that the clouds break open, and 
the Lord descends and all the saints riding white horses dressed in white and following Jesus down and uh, he's going to return Armageddon. The armies of the world are going to be fighting each other. They're going to turn to fight him when they see him coming in, in the clouds of great power and glory. And I believe personally, uh, you know, it says with the word of his mouth, he's going to end things. And I think I think he's going to say, and this is my just my opinion. I think it's going to be the same words he spoke on the Gal the Sea of Galilee that time when the storm was so great, mm. and the disciples were afraid they were going to lose their lives. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the bottom <laughs> of the boat, and um, so he woke up and said, "Oh, ye little faith!" And he stood up and he looked over that tumultuous sea and he said, "Peace, be still." Mm. I think that's the same thing he's going to say when he returns. And then we will return with him as he comes on down to earth to to put an end to Antichrist and his reign, and to change everything. And he'll stay. His feet will stand on that that very spot that he from which he left, and uh, and we will be with him. And uh, so that's that's the story. So Terry, this uh, brings up another question. You mentioned uh, the gap in time between the rapture and the official start of the tribulation. Please explain a little bit more about that. Well, we just don't know how much, you know, there's people with all kind of gap theories and things. We just don't know how much time will be between the moment when Christ says, come up here, as he did, as it's, the Bible says in chapter, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. He says, come up hither to John. Of course, John, that's, that's kind of a, uh, it's just a uh, kind of a, a uh, just a just a sample of what's going to happen to the Christians. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Um, uh, he's going to say, come up here. And what, what was the question again? Oh, just the gap in time between the rapture yeah, and the official the gap, start yeah, of the, the trip. Gap. Um, so um, the, 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 the gap uh, is, is simply the time between the rapture of the church, when Jesus calls them up, and the time that uh, uh, the signing of the covenant of, uh, of um, Romans, uh, not Romans, um, what is it? <laughs> Uh, Daniel chapter chapter nine verse twenty six twenty seven when the Antichrist makes the covenant with many, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, that's what actually starts tribulation period because the people Israel will agree to that covenant that the Antichrist will sign according to nine twenty six and twenty seven of Daniel, and uh, and uh, Jesus had said you know that I offered myself and in me you rejected. But uh, another will come in his name, and, and you will, he you will accept. That will be the Antichrist. This is what brings God's fury up in his face. And when he again starts dealing with Israel and all of the rebels of earth in, in that tribulation period. And uh, so the gap theory and the gap is uh, the time between the rapture occurs and all Christians, all believers of the church age goes to be with Christ. And the time that this covenant is signed, we don't know how long that will be. I personally think it's going to take a little bit of time, okay. three, maybe three or four years, perhaps. Some people think it'll be instantaneous. I don't see how it can be unless, you know, of course, if things are much more developed than they are right now, mm-hmm. geopolitically and so forth, that may be true. The gap may be shorter. But let's say they were in a reasonably near time, if, if the rapture were to occur, it would take some time for things to set up where the Antichrist would come on the scene. Even even though he wouldn't be Antichrist yet, he would be a great governmental leader. And uh, then he would make that covenant with Israel and um, the other people surrounding Israel. 
and Israel would probably give up its uh, probably give up its weaponry and so his nuclear capability in order to make peace, and, and then he would guarantee uh, they could rebuild the temple and live in peace and safety, uh, guarded by the probably the Western Alliance of Nations. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's the gap between the okay. time the rapture occurs and the time the signing of the covenant occurs. Our guest today, author Terry James, the book is called The Disappearing Future Events That Will Rock the World. Uh, so Terry, a very relevant article you just wrote called prophesied power block players appear. And you mentioned uh, Russia, you mentioned China. Um, they just just recently um, had this agreement about the steady and continuous development uh, of the relations, noting that the two countries intend to move forward together uh, and work on this democratic world order. Fascinating times, as we are talking about two major players in the end times, uh, Russia and China. This goes into my next question about are we witnessing the collapse of Western civilization, and how does this play into the coming New World Order? Yes, well, I think um, as much as a collapse of Western civilization, we're watching the rearrangements hmm. um, of, of particularly of Western civilization. We see this tremendous upheaval. Uh, America has the weakest president of its history. Yes. And um, and. From that is, is coming all kinds of changes to this great country, this this powerful, this most powerful country that's ever existed, both economically, militarily. Anyway, you look at it, uh, and even even we had even a spiritual beginning that was second, probably only to Israel in its uh, its founding. And so, at the at the head of nations of this western this western block of nations is the United States, and it is in tremendous turmoil. We're in tremendous turmoil. It's sad to say, but it must be. It's, it's got to be this way. And uh, eventually, it's going to eventuate with uh, America coming down. Uh, it, and uh, I think it's going, all of its assets are going to be absorbed by probably a consortium of uh, European Union uh, nations. And uh, I, I believe it's going to be the rapture that causes this. And, uh, of course, that will be, it'll be a great uh, power that uh, will be absorbed by that from the United States by by Europeans, I believe. Hmm. And so it'll be a powerful block, but it will be tremendously changed the Western Alliance. So you have the Western Alliance, which is mentioned in the Bible. I believe this is in, along with some of the Mid-Eastern nations like Saudi Arabia and, and some of the others, I think gonna be the, it's going to be the nations that will protest Russia's coming into uh, down to Israel with all of its uh, co- uh, coalition. Hmm. Uh, during the Gog Magog attack, and I think the Western Alliance is simply going to send a note of protest because we see the weakness now. And uh, so that's one power block. The, you have the uh, <clears throat> the European power block. I think is going to come out of all of this. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you have the uh, the Russian coalition. Uh, that's Ezekiel the prophet, uh, Ezekiel thirty and thirty nine. Uh, prophesied uh, coming down to take Israel, and that's the Russians, and uh, Russians going to be at the, the, the Rosh Gog, as, you know, the Gog, the leader with the Gog spirit, is going to lead that coalition, and then you have this great power called the Kings of the East, mm. and I think there can be no doubt that China is going to be the king of the Kings of the East, yes. and somehow they're going to have to bring all of their uh, all of their nations or their vast region into compliance and that's why i believe that at some point they're going to take taiwan 
And uh, so we, all those nations east of the Euphrates River, so you have three basic power blocks that we see developing just within the recent uh, time, as you as you described, mm-hmm. uh, the meeting between the Russian uh, and the uh, Chinese leaders. Yeah, it's interesting that some of these nations, the coalition of nations that's already been over there surrounding Israel, and now we have other power players making their moves, almost like a, a, a massive chessboard of world events. Uh, you mentioned in your article, and then we, we, I do have many more questions about the book, The Disappearing, but your article is fascinating. It's short, and it's to the point, and I think you make some very great uh, statements that need to be considered, such as the European Union— um, it, its likelihood for being the nucleus out of which the Antichrist kingdom will form. Talk a little bit more about that. Well, I think that that's what the Bible more or less tells us, you know, the Ten Nation Confederacy that's coming out of the... The Bible says, you know, and, and again in uh, Daniel chapter 9, it says that that the prince that shall come will form, will make this covenant, 9-26-27, with the many, meaning Israel, He's the one that's going to make this. He's going to be the Antichrist, the 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 princess shall come, and it says he comes out of the people uh, that dis- will destroy the city and the sanctuary, uh, and that's the Romans, the Roman legions. Uh, Titus, sent there by his father Vespasian, um, he uh, who was the um, emperor at the time, and Titus was the, the Roman general. His legions. Uh, Destroyed the city and the sanctuary, meaning the city of Jerusalem and uh, and the uh, temple in, in seventy A.D. On Mount, Mount, Mount Moriah. Yes. And uh, so, uh, so that's the prince that shall come out of that people, and, and he was. They were Romans. He's he'll be a Roman. He'll be other. Now he will be maybe they call, he's called an Assyrian in some places, but you know the Roman Empire was spread. And so uh, I think I think he will come, still come from the area, general area of Central Europe somewhere, probably around the Roman area, and he may have a, uh, a heritage, uh, an ethnicity, maybe of, of, of a Middle Easterner. It's my opinion. Yes. So uh, you also mention you talk about the Satanic Trinity in uh, chapter eight, and uh, who are the three main antagonists? Antagonists of the tribulation what are their roles well satan you know mimics everything he he does he he likes to uh twist god's word and and he he mimics everything god does and mocks it and he he uh he massages things the way he wants them we watched him do so much throughout the the past the years few years yes and uh he he wants he's going to be god the father he wants he wants to be the Unholy Trinity is what he wants to be. He wants to have this unholy Trinity. He will be God, uh, taking the place of God the Father. Mm. The Antichrist will be God the Son in his this whole unholy alliance. And then the false prophet will be, of course, uh, the um, the uh, false uh, Holy Spirit of this in uh, this uh, terrible unholy Trinity. And of course, uh, that's. Uh, that's what he always does. He, he twists everything, and uh, I think this is uh, what this is all about. So, Terry James, um, you talk about, you know, obviously the, the tribulation. You talk about the timing um, after the rapture. You talk about these end-time events. And some people don't understand or maybe haven't connected the dots about the fallout from the rapture taking place. And one of those things, obviously, is removing the light 
the removing the restrainer, the Holy Spirit, and removing believers. So is that part of the fallout, and can you explain more? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm, I I think that, you know, the children being gone is going to be a tremendous thing. All the children being gone, that's going to be one fallout. It, you know, telling what kind of uh, uh, neuroses and everything else that's going to cause. But then... Uh, and when the Holy Spirit is withdrawn as restrainer and, and he is resonant within the church, within each believer right now, and when the believers are gone, he's going to withdraw as restrainer. Now, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's God in his omnipresence. And he's always everywhere at the same time. But he will no longer be restraining the evil in the same sense he is now, probably on an individual basis in some cases, mm-hmm. but not... Can you imagine as wicked as we watch the world become here lately? Wow. Uh, when when the, there's no more restrainer against... Well, you know, if it, for example, if, it, if, if the restrainer wasn't here right now, the world economy would have already collapsed. Only God is keeping the economy going for his own reasons, and I, I think I know what it is. Jesus' words in Luke 17, um, when he says, be like the days of Lot. Hmm. And, um, you know, be buying, selling, and all these things at the very moment. Just like when he removed Lot, it'll be the same way. Wow. So so he's reached, the Holy Spirit is restraining even the economic situation. Elsewise, the whole thing would have collapsed already. Wow, fascinating. Fascinating. I, I Yeah, I didn't even uh, make that connection about the economy, too. And God, obviously, God is sovereign over all these things. And his timing is perfect. We're talking about author uh, Terry James' brand-new book, The Disappearing. When we come back, friends... Be hopeful because we're talking about rules for the remnant. What can believers do and how should we look at these things as we continue to address Bible prophecy on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. The book we're discussing is called The Disappearing, Future Events That Will Rock the World, written by Terry James and Pete Garcia. Now, we're hoping to have Pete on in the near future. Um, He wrote this last section, which is so extensive in the book, talking about the seals, the trumpets, the bowl judgments. And uh, we as a church here in De Pere, Wisconsin, uh, just went through Revelation. Uh, Last year, we wrapped up Revelation in, in December, and we went through a lot of this, but still, there is so much. It is extensive, talking about the, the each the colored horses and the seals and what happens with each seal and from everywhere from, you know, peace being removed from the earth to the global famine and one-fourth of the earth dies and then the martyrs and there's so much. Um, but I want to start with a quote, Terry. Um, Pete kicked off chapter 14, which is Rules for the Remnant. And he, he's quoted Warren Wiersbe, and I love this quote. Whenever a prophet foretold the future, it was to awaken the people to their responsibilities in the present. Bible prophecy isn't entertainment for the curious. It's encouragement for the serious. Amen. Terry, I would love for you to just talk a little bit about that. It's just such a good quote reminding us that we are not here just to uh, uh, read and under, understand these things and gain all the knowledge and say, I'm glad I'm out of here when the rapture happens. We have a job to do, and we have a responsibility while we're here. Your thoughts? And that, that is something else that each individual is, is uh, responsible for learning for themselves through reading the Bible. But, again, teachers and pastors 
are doubly responsible for teaching their parishioners or their people in the congregations. Just to, this, um, you know, the, the the period that's coming here, and so many so many people I hear on some of these blogs, I listen to some of these blogs, and they have no idea that they 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 know, but they refuse the rapture. They mock the rapture hmm. and says it's escapism and all that kind of thing. Hmm. But uh, they they say it's, it's it's all of this, but. Uh, they talk about all these terrible times to come, and even some even say it's going to be the tribulation prophesied. But uh, they, in, in effect, they have no idea what this period is going to be like. I mean, it's, they think they can prep for it, you know, be preppers for it and teach people to prep for it. You cannot prepare mm. in any way for what's coming, according to God's Word. As many as three-fourths of the world's population will die during that period. So there's no way to prepare for it, but... Um, so what kind of responsibility is it for people to be taught about these things? People are going to go through this terrible time uh, who are left behind. And, and Bible prophecy is to teach those people these things because it's there in God's Word, mm. and we're supposed to teach it. But we go beyond that. What about the soul of people? I mean, you're talking about the tribulation being bad. A soul in hell with no chance of ever getting out. Mm. that That is, and, and the most horrendous uh, tortures, as, as Jesus himself taught. Uh, well, you know, how important is it to tell people about that? Uh, so our responsibility to teach people is just, uh, and, and, and prophecy is a great way to do it, and, and it's a necessity, uh, necessary, uh, necessary way to do it. Uh, God's given it to us. We should be teaching and preaching it, and uh, trying to keep people out of hell uh, through through the Lord Jesus Christ and His saving message, uh, salvation uh, from His shed blood on the cross. And uh, so that that is what uh, Reverend Wiersbe was talking about. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's a great quote. Yes, it is an excellent quote to start off. Uh, that chapter on rules for the remnant. So I like your point, Terry. Uh, we think about preparing. We think about getting uh, canned goods, dried, you know, food, lots of water, and kind of preparing for you know emergencies. And some would call it prepping. Some people take that to an extreme. But as Christians, yeah, we cannot prepare for the great tribulation, the great day of the Lord and God's judgment where he pours out his wrath. We cannot possibly prepare. First of all, we're going to be out of here. I mean, thank God that we won't have to go through that from what we understand from the scriptures. He said that if if he didn't return when he did, there'd be no flesh saved. Mm. That's how horrible it's going to be. Yes. I mean, we can hardly imagine I mean, just Pete makes that point as well in in that uh, chapter 14. Mm -hmm. He says, because the world will lose all believers in one stunning instant of disappearing, the world will be immediately turned on its head. And he says, those who remain will have neither the capacity, the knowledge, nor the desire to call things as they are. And if millions of people have suddenly gone missing, Pete says, uh, please understand it wasn't because of aliens or Gaia. It was the rapture of the church. Now he's re- he's referring to Gaia, the, the 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 god and goddess, and perhaps a little shout out to Scientology. Your thoughts on that uh, little paragraph from Pete Garcia? Yeah, well, you know, I think you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, when the Bible, uh, when the rapture occurs, uh, there's going to be all sorts of uh, 
There's going to be all sorts of uh, theories uh, take place. I believe the main theory is going to be that uh, the Space Brothers are coming down to, they finally got fed up with us, are coming down to make all things right and help us to, to get better and all that, you know, to survive. I believe when the false prophet, Revelation 13, I believe when the false prophet points to the Antichrist and demands worship and so forth, and he says he calls fire down from heaven, uh, and like, fire is coming down from heaven. He actually calls them down from uh, heaven. And I think that is when probably when Satan and his minions are kicked out of heaven for the last time in Revelation chapter 12. And uh, when they're kicked out, well, this Antichrist is going to, I mean, this uh, false prophet is going to call fire down from heaven. Well, I think that's Satan and his minions coming down to earth. And, of course, the Bible says, Woe be unto the inhabitants of the earth, for they come down and know they have but a short time. And uh, the, the false prophet calls them down in front of the Antichrist, and the world will believe that it's some kind of space alien rescue or something. Mm. So I believe I believe all this is going to take place as part of, uh, and there's going to be all kinds of lies and so forth. Yes, we can only imagine the theories and and the claims people will make as to reasons as to why children and uh, believers uh, are not are no longer here. Um, but as he closes, Terry, and, and there's some sobering thoughts. I mean, we, we try to point people to prophecy and what we have to look forward to with the Lord Jesus Christ and in his presence forever. And uh, as you alluded to, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, it says we will all be changed. And he even writes, uh, Pete does, about a new heaven and new earth. But he says, for now, our world is increasingly aligning itself to become the final world government the Bible describes, increasingly hostile to both Jew and the born-again Christian. And talk, he talks about the decline of our civilization. We are seeing things, and I think, uh, Terry James, a lot of people's eyes have been opened because of COVID. Sometimes we people say B.C., and they refer to COVID. Before COVID, uh, things were a little different. And now, since we've seen medical tyranny, we've seen government power grabs, we've seen increased hate toward the biblical worldview and censorship, even in America, with all that we've taken for granted with our Constitution and the First Amendment, we have seen unprecedented censorship. Uh, Terry, just your advice to believers, as we know what the end game is going to be, because we have the Bible and we understand, uh, but we've got to persevere to get there, don't we? Yes, we do. And as we watch this COVID and all that develop and we see see the mandates, the vaccine mandates, and how quickly they took control of everything, mm. shut things down, demanded people take the, wear a mask, demand they take the vaccines and so forth. Well, this is all preparation, I think, uh, for after the rapture, uh, and, and people have already become lemmings. They've already become accustomed to being controlled. Mm-hmm. I think it's all part of Satan's ploy. I think the whole COVID thing was a satanic uh, ploy. Yes. And uh, I'm not saying the, the the disease isn't real, but I'm saying that it's mainly a control mechanism to prepare people for what's coming. And, and of course, God takes his hand off just enough to let these things happen because he knows the end from the beginning. And uh, so that's why it's all that much mm-hmm. more important for us to, to make people understand, both Christians and uh, the secular world, uh, uh, about Bible prophecy and, and the truth of it. Yes. Um, yeah, therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. From First Thessalonians, a lot of scriptures encouraging us to watch. Or, 
Yes. You know, Mark thirteen thirty seven. Jesus said, "What I say to one, I say to all." Watch. That's very important that you pointed that out. He's just not talking to about to, to the disciples specifically. He's talking to all who would follow. Watch. I say this to everyone. So that's a good word for us. So I do have time for one more question. Um, I, I like how he uh, Pete Garcia writes this little section. Our hope, even though things are falling apart, our hope is not in D.C. Now he's speaking to, speaking to Americans here. Our hope is not in world governments. Our hope is not the United Nations. Our hope is not in man's ability to overcome adversity. Our hope is in Christ, even while our freedoms may dwindle. Then he says, however, our freedom in Christ, our freedom is in Christ, and that is forever. Terry, the final question in the book, The Disappearing, uh, you talk about the millennial reign and uh, what will be the millennium, millennial kingdom? What will that look like for people that maybe haven't studied that part of prophecy? Well, you know, it's interesting. We're, you're talking about my novels. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a novel with uh, this young lady, and, uh, and, and uh, I've chosen her to write our Dream Door series. We have a Dream Door series of uh, the millennial children during the millennium, but we're going now into a young adult hmm. area. She's writing it mainly, uh, but it's all about the millennium. And that's going to be the most wonderful time of all history, all human history, uh, when when uh, Christ is ruling and reigning. Once he comes back to earth, puts his foot on Mount Moriah, and it splits down the middle, the earth will begin, uh, not Mount Moriah, but um, Olivet, and the, it will split down the middle. And, uh, uh, Mount Moriah will split and be topographical changes. Uh, God's, um, Christ's... Um, temple and so forth will be there where he'll rule and reign. The whole earth will be pristine. And so uh, so the millennial period is going to be a time when the the people who come through the tribulation as flesh and blood will will, re, will procre, uh, procreate to, to replenish the whole earth, and it'll probably be a population much bigger than there's ever been on earth because the earth will be greatly expanded. I think the Bible says there are there will be no more sea, and in other words, it'll be almost all land mass. Wow, good point. And uh, so there'll be more room for populations. Yes. It'll be like the Garden of Eden all over the world. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Just the thought of that. Uh, no sin, no disease and death. I mean, we, we can actually—will will we be eating some good food and uh, some natural things? <laughs> Only the best. There'll yes. be no animals eaten because mm. of even the, even the animals of the— you know the uh, the lions and so forth will uh, no longer be meat eaters. They'll they'll eat vegetation like mm. the, like the lambs, and and it'll be healthy for them, and it'll be delicious to them, and uh, the child will be able to play with them, and uh, even mm. play with with vipers wow. <laughs> if they want to, and without being hurt. So no and, uh, no animosity between man uh, and beast and animals, or right? Fear, no or fear, fear. Either. Wow. What an amazing, just to think about some of these things, Terry, and I think we don't do this often enough, right? I mean, we can imagine a lot of things, but we have some uh, scriptures that uh, point to some of these truths that we can see what's going to happen. So thank you for explaining that, and thank you for your time. If people want to know more about Terry James, you can go to terryjamesprophecyonline.com. You can also go to— Let me give give you the right right thing. Oh, sure. Uh, Terry, yeah, TerryJamesProphecyLine.com Prophecy is my line. personal blog. TerryJamesProphecyLine.com, and uh, my but but our main site is the is the biggest website of all for for uh, 
for Bible prophecy. And rapture ready. RaptureReady.com. Yeah. Yes, RaptureReady.com. There's so much information, so many articles, great resources, a lot of books available, and they cover just about every topic imaginable, especially those relating to Bible prophecy. So, friends, the book is called The Disappearing. Terry James, God bless your work, and thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it very much. You're most welcome, sir. All right, um, just a great book, guys. And at the end, it is so extensive as they even get into more on what Revelation kind of paints a picture of the the judgments and the explanations there, lightnings, rumblings, thunders, of nature, how that's going to be affected. Um, great things explained in detail, and uh, that's in The Disappearing, and I encourage you to check out that book. Um Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the Nehemiah Institute. I, I didn't know a lot about this, and they really extensively teach on the biblical worldview. And so we're going to have Dan Smithwick, first time on this podcast. And I can't wait to talk to him about what uh, we will learn more about, the Nehemiah Institute. But I want to give you a heads up on next week. J.B. Hickson will be back with us. Um, he's got a phenomenal book out, The Spirit of the Antichrist. And we talked about part one in that interview the last month. Well, Monday, after Easter, after Resurrection Sunday, we're going to be talking with J.B. Hickson about part— we're going to, it's part two of the interview, getting more in-depth into his book and his teachings. And then we're going to be talking about some problematic things where children are being not only groomed, but there's an agenda to reach children, to over-sexualize them, particularly young girls, but just children, period. Mark and Amber Archer, first-time guests. They'll be with us next week. You will also hear, Lord willing, Pastor Billy Crone. That's that's right. We're hopefully going to have him next Wednesday. Thursday, Pastor James Coates from Canada. He's been arrested, imprisoned for keeping his church open. He's got a new book out on God and government. And then we have Chris Quintana back with us. Haven't had him on in quite a while. He's always got great explanations to current events. Uh, so many more great guests. Jay Seegert coming up. Dr. Uh, David Geisler, Norm Geisler's son, also great apologist. We're so blessed, guys. We're so blessed to learn from some experts and some of the great people we have on this podcast. So thank you for your support, your prayers, and donations. God bless you. And as always, Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.